Hey, everybody, welcome back to part two. As I promised you, the hell conspiracy. We're going to talk about hell today. So get ready, get ready, get ready, T.D. Jake said in one of his conferences years ago. Welcome back, Lori Ditto, evangelist. You. you are a prophet. You are an author. You are a friend. And thank you for coming by and, and saying yes. Listen, I got to tell you something. Most of my guests never get prepped on where I'm going. <laughs> Were you nervous? You know, it was a God minute, right? Yes. It happened. I was here the right time, the right place. It's a God moment. But those take your breath away. They do. <laughs> and listen, you were sitting out there with your husband drinking coffee peacefully. <laughs> I'm walking in and we start having a conversation. And I say, are you going to do anything in the next 30 minutes? I got to have you on the program because you joined me via Skype several months ago. Yet there's nothing like being in person and sitting on the orange couch. I love the Rabbi Jonathan Kahn has been here. Rabbi Jason Sobo has been here. So many wow. good friends. Chris Reed. I'm trying to have Jim Baker on the on the orange couch. I think I'm going to figure out a way to do that. But uh, I'm glad I have you here with me. Thank you. It's been an honor. Uh, part one was shocking. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was asking you questions that most people uh, don't want to answer. Yet, this culture, you want to know some of these answers on why Christianity thinks the way they do. Why do we talk about certain things? Why we don't want to talk about certain things? Yet, I think we have to be real. We have to have a conversation. Now, we don't have to agree, but we don't have to be ignorant uh, on each other and attack you and attack me. We can agree to disagree on conversations and issues, but at least we're talking. When was the last time you talked to your son about the current issues that we're facing in our culture today? How about this one? When was the last time you talked to your daughter about this abortion stance, Roe v. Wade being overturned and, and without having an argument? We can't do that anymore. What happened to us? You know, I think we got wrapped up. We were just talking before the show about, about fun. Yes. You know, it's like if church isn't fun, but you know, I don't, I don't come to God first for fun. I come to God first for direction. And what I found, Mondo, is, is with God, my life is full and exciting and fun. But it's, that's not God's first responsibility. It's wisdom, revelation. Mm. So many people out there are disheartened about Christianity. They feel like Christianity has become a cult-like type of, you know, environment. And when you watch this ex-evangelical movement taking place, I don't even know if it's a movement, so I apologize if I'm calling it a movement. It's ex-evangelicals that got hurt by the church, they were abused by the church, and they had a horrible experience yet they, they claim to say that they still love Jesus, yet they dislike and, and, and are disheartened about institution church and institution of religion, yet we're seeing a turmoil in our culture today where so many people are denouncing their faith. Are you shocked that so many are walking away from the faith today and they, they're posting? I'm talking about very famous Christian authors, Christian artists, even some of uh, Christian businessmen, some of the leaders that were once at the top of their game in Christianity are now denouncing Christianity 
Does that shock you? Absolutely. You know, having been to heaven and been to hell, um, hell probably more than heaven, um, God gets the last say. He gets the first say. He gets the last say. We need to line up with, with who he says we are. And if you or I pretend to be somebody that we're not, that's going to fail. Now, you can go so far in pretending, but after a while, you lose yourself. Who are you? And when we were made, we were made with a plan and a purpose inside of God, each and every one. And if you deviate from that, you're miserable. Yeah. And so then you want to look at God and say it's his fault. No, he created you to be who he created you to be. So if he created you a man, he meant for you to be a man. If he created you a woman, he meant for you to be a woman. If he created you to be a runner. And so people who are becoming disillusioned and then blaming God are, I really feel people who got deviated from the plan of God, Mondo. And then, you know, they got to have somebody to blame instead of blaming themselves. So the easiest person to blame is God. Do you believe that pastors and evangelists and teachers and anyone that is leading in the church should be accountable for some of the crazy things that has come out of our pulpits? You know, yes. I uh, Before the show, I prophesied over one of, one of your guys here and got it all wrong. And so I was the first one to say, wow, I really missed it. And he was being very and graceful. you admitted it? You have to. If you are going to use the name of Jesus and miss it, and you don't claim that, you're, you're lying. Oh, man, I like you. <laughs> I like people that are real. Listen, I want people to tell me the truth when they mess up, when they, hey, I missed it. Instead of pretending like, oh, no, no, you got it wrong. You're living. I right. love that. I love that you're real because <laughs> l- let me tell you something. You, and I know, we're, listen, stay tuned because we're going to talk about hell. Okay, but there's some hellish things going on in the church, and you wonder why young men and women are walking away from the church. It's because it's time for us to admit that we're doing something wrong when we do something wrong. You know, there, there, I, I, I ask you that question about should teachers and evangelists and pastors should be accountable because the culture right now is asking for a lot of things, but, but let, me, let me focus on two of them. One of them is we need to have accountability for the pulpit. What is being said, how it's being said, how it's being delivered. The other thing is, which I believe is one of the number one things, is being able to be real. We forgot to be real. I, uh, I, I heard this statement years ago. Hollywood takes the fake and makes it look real. The church takes the real and makes it fake. I thought it was one of the most profound statements that I've heard in almost two decades now. But again, let's go back to this. Why aren't we being accountable to pastors or why are pastors are not being accountable for, for what they're saying? It feels like they have free reign over people. And one thing this culture is, is, is demanding, that's a strong word. They're demanding that they speak the truth. They stand for what's right. Quit hiding behind this politic tent, you know, tactical talk that they're giving in order to get people in the church. Yet the culture is wanting God so bad, yet they can't see God because the pulpit is blocking them. It's like they're being controlled. You understand what I'm saying? I can't speak as a pastor because I'm not one. 
I can't speak as an evangelist. I can't speak as a seer. You miss it. You, you own it. But I, I, I know for an evangelist that if you're, going, if you're going to say something about culture, then it has to be something that you are in love with. Mm. And, you know, Mike and I, we go all over the place. Mondo, we, we go on our dime. And when we get there, if the church can take a love offering, wonderful. But it's, it's and, and if not, then we go in the hole because the Lord wants you to go there. But if the word of the Lord is for sale, it's not the word of the Lord. Nothing makes me angrier when I call. They say, well, how much does it cost for you to come here? If the idea is you're more worried about what's in your wallet than the word of God, you're the wrong person for the job. Wow. Think about this, though. Think. Because when we put a price tag on what is precious, the blood of Jesus cannot be bought, but it's freely given. And freely we've received, freely we need to give. And inside of accountability, only the only the teachers and the preachers and the evangelists know their heart, but I can tell who you are by your fruit. Ooh. And, and I'm, you know, now and then you may have a bad piece of fruit on your tree. It happens to all of us. But if the majority of you is trying to pacify people to get their money, I mean, we've showed up, we showed up, I went far, far away, right? We flew over to uh, Hawaii, I got there, Mondo, big show, whatever, nobody came, nobody came. And it's like, wow, what, isn't that humiliating to you? No, God, one must have, must have um, wanted me to try something like that. But the reason why people didn't want to come is because I'm very clear, I'm not a once saved, always saved believer. I'm not a once saved, always saved evangelist. And that breaks the deal. Mm. Because if you're going to tell me that I have to work out my salvation every day with fear and trembling, and I have to walk away from my life of sin, well, I don't want to be held accountable. So yes, we need to hold the people teaching and preaching accountable. And in my world, it's just as evangelist because I sit under a great pastor. But also at the same time, Moving forward, I have to be accountable for what I'm saying. And if not, I want you to come and get me. I want somebody to come and tell me, Lori, you are not preaching the truth. Sit me down. Find out, is it because my heart is wicked or just because I'm immature? Mm. Because there's all kinds of immaturity out there. And we need to have grace and correction for the church. But the holding people accountable, I think, is essential. Because Jesus, on the day that we meet him, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, or depart from me, you worker of iniquity. That not being held accountable is that iniquity, one of those iniquities. You know, when I think about where we are as a culture and as a church, by the way, welcome to my program. We're <laughs> just hanging out, having a conversation about life, culture, and where we are right now. But I believe that's where you are as well, is asking questions yet. You probably, your pastor doesn't want to answer. Maybe your pastor's not willing to sit down with you. Uh, but maybe you're attacking your pastor. Maybe you're attacking the church too much. And you're become, uh, you have become so critical to the point where no one can have a conversation with you either. Wow. Now, you want to point the finger at everyone else. But remember, there's three pointing back at you. And maybe you need to put the pointing down 
and start having an open mind about what's happening. Why does the church believe the way they do? Hey, you want people to agree with you? Then why you can't agree with other people and just sit down and have a normal civil conversation? Yet you want to destroy people. This is what I don't understand about the culture today. Yeah, you want rights for yourself, but as long as you take them away from someone else and vice versa, we want to take each other's rights, and yet we don't want to live amongst each other. Listen, you don't have to agree the way I believe. I don't have to agree how you believe, but I'm also not going to sit here and destroy you so I can have my own life. But yet I believe there's a lot missing in the conversation that is taken out of context where we're missing the whole entire picture. And that brings me to the point of this book. No wonder no one invites you back. <laughs> no wonder well, no one wants to sit down. It's not <laughs> no, that, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not that they don't invite no, me back. No, I'm kidding. First time round, I don't get invited. But when I get invited, uh, <laughs> they love me. No, I'm kidding. But I'm just saying this, that your conversation piece <laughs> about heaven and hell <laughs> is not a very popular one. Correct. Right? And... You've had visitations, you have, you've been taken up to heaven, mm -hmm. but you also have been taken to hell. Yes. Is hell really real? Or is this something that the church has become, uh, has fantasized about and has scared people into organized religion? You know, some people say, you know, hell, hell, they use it to scare me. It should scare us, Mondo. The reality of a place without God, where there's no love, no life, where there's only pain and destruction continually, eternally, that should scare us. What was hell like? What is hell like? What, ah. we, we get those images of hell on, on, on movies trying to depict what hell is about, yet, is that really hell? Um, so what happened to me, I was dragged into hell by um, a hand without fingers. This thing grabbed a hold of me, dragged me into hell. I passed these gates. They slammed shut and went the noise of those gates, Mondo. I've never heard a sound like it. Were you it. asleep? I was at a prayer meeting. I was at an evangelism prayer meeting during the worship. We were listening to songs singing for the lost, right? Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, I'm gone. I would have never thought somebody like me could go to hell. Now, I say that now, mm -hmm. but I realize now that I was such a, a wicked sinner to God. I was one of those wicked servants, even though I pray, I fast, I was leading evangelism meetings. I had 12 spiritual uh, daughters at the time. I was, I was training, you know, I think I'm an okay wife, a, a pretty good mom, you know, mm -hmm. thinking I'm doing okay. Make sure I tithe, right? I went to hell because I would not forgive. Now, how serious is that? But in Matthew 18, it says, Jesus ends that parable with, and so my heavenly father will do to you also if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Hmm. And I had not, I had hung on to this stuff. And you know what's so scary is it's all over in the church. Wow. It's all over. And we get, emails all the time of, but you don't understand what I went through. Exactly. And I know you're sitting here talking with me and you, you see somebody who's got their life together now, but you don't know what I went through. 
You don't know the childhood that I had. You don't know the pains that I've suffered. And it's not a competition. Let's but look. How, how can somebody that has been abused forgive that abuser? How can someone that has been taken advantage of forgive? It is so hard to forgive. It's true. And it took me 30 months when I came back to work through it all. But the first thing that we need to understand is when you look at the weight of my sin, and, and I got to see it, it came in, it was overwhelming how much sin I had. When you look at the weight of sin and you realize that God forgave it all. Okay, what is sin? Anything that goes against what God says. So we need to find that out. Lying, cheating, stealing. Let's look at the Ten Commandments. I know they're not very popular nowadays. But as we look at not putting God first, not putting his ways first, you know, being faithful to your spouse, making sure that who you're sleeping with is your spouse, you know. So there's, there's lists of things. If you don't do it, you're in sin. And if you're in church and you're in sin, you are in so much trouble because now you are so misrepresenting God. Hmm. pastors having affairs outside. I've known a few of them. And it's like, you better repent. You're going to go to hell. But how can we judge who's going to hell, who's going to hell? <clears throat> We're not. I'm telling you the difference between right and wrong. I get to do that. The actual judging you and sending you to hell, that's somebody else doing that. That's Jesus, me warning you, Mondo, clean it up or else. And then you get mad at it. The problem why we get mad is because the scriptures tell us we love our sin. Okay, what is hell like? So, so what does it smell like? Hell burns. I burned the just being there. My skin dripped off of me. You can't see another person. I couldn't see that you were Latino there because there is no skin on anybody. Mm. And your eyes are burned open because there's no relief. The smell of hell caused you to want to just throw up and keep throwing up. It's the worst smell that you can imagine. And the, the, some of the worst things were the screaming of the people who are burning and twisting and hurting. You know, there were some significant pains there. And one of the first ones was I looked down at my left arm and there was black stuff. There was, there was white stuff in my bones and yellowy white looking stuff. And all of a sudden it went black and, and it hurt. It went everywhere. And now I know that that was bone marrow, what makes life, what makes cells. And that was ended. Wow. You write about the five pains of hell, water, bone marrow, breath, agreement, and the garment. Yes, and the worst of those is the garment. What do you mean by that? When God looked at me and he said, you are in hell eternally for unforgiveness, what he did was something I'd, I'd never read about. I had no idea. He took the top of his garment and he yanked it across his chest. He ripped it and I knew he's done with me. He's mm. done. There is, there is no more hope for me because I refuse to obey. I'm not even trying. You know, I think about addicts. They try and they, they, they fall off the wagon and then they try again. You know, God has so much love and grace for those people who are trying. But when you absolutely refuse, you know, you have children, I have children. When they absolutely refuse, that is such a state of rebellion. And when you're in that state of rebellion, you can't be helped. And I was there. 
because I would not forgive. So I was trapped inside of a teardrop-shaped um, cell. And there were fire outside and fire inside this cell. And this, the, the fire was so hot, Mondo, that it, it caused, it caused my, my bones to just dry up and twist. And bone on bone was hurting. And you're, you're trying to get away from these flames that are burning you. So if you've ever been beaten with a belt, you know how you kind of try and move your body yeah. away from, there's no way away from these flames. And on the earth, I've been lonely, but there's nothing like the loneliness mm -hmm. that's in hell. You know, people struggle with loneliness, yeah. and I have too, so I get yeah. that. But there's no comparison to the loneliness in hell. You, you, you can never get to another person. And then the weight of your sin comes in. You know when God forgave me. The scriptures teach he separated my sin away from me. It's like, where did it go? He put it in hell because hell is a place away from him. And when I got there and my sin knew that I was there, it came back. And you don't get to keep this image because this is the image of God Almighty. And I changed. I looked like a morphed piece of cancer. Mm. And forever I was going to burn and hurt and burn it was, it was the worst, most traumatic, post-traumatic stress afterwards that I suffered through. I had said to God after those 30 months, Lord, if you'll take the knowledge of this experience away, I'll give away all my experiences of heaven, you know, which are beautiful and glorious, but I don't even want to know about heaven if you'll just take this away from me. Mm. And do you know that the majority of people are going to hell? How can a good God send people to hell? He didn't. A good God gave you a sacrifice to make sure that you would never go there. You know, a comparison is um, you think about a big cruise ship. If you're on that cruise ship, we're all on that cruise ship. We've all sinned. And that cruise ship is going to take everybody to hell. But Jesus has come and given everyone a lifeboat. Come with me. But if you won't get off of that and get onto this lifeboat, there's no way he can save you. You want what you want. A good God, not only has he given you life and plans and purposes, this God also sent a savior because you and I have messed up and majority of people. I know you are a sinner because the Bible says there is not one except Jesus who hasn't sinned. And as a sinner, you need the one sacrifice to get into heaven. And Jesus is the only way to the Father in heaven. And he, he came wanting you. When he died, you were on his heart. You were on his mind. He paid that price so that you could be with him eternally in heaven. And he's the only way. It's a deal too good to be true. But let me tell you what it's like. When you ask God, we're all going to hell. All people are going to hell except for those few who receive Jesus Christ and obey him. If you will love God, then you will obey God. And if you will accept Jesus Christ as your savior, you don't have to clean everything up. Clean up that one thing. I'm going to give you my mind. I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you my will. 
And I want you, Jesus, to start to direct me. If you do that one thing today, repent and be saved. And what that means is you agree with God that you are a sinner. That's really important. You have to feel godly sorrow. Oh my gosh, you're the only way to the Father in heaven. I need you. Confess your sin one to another. And then put something in place that you will not do that again. And then I like to call that get to church. Get to a Bible-believing church. Now, it's like, where's the perfect one? You're not going to find it. Because if you found it, you wouldn't fit. I wouldn't fit because there is no perfect people. That sets you on your goal. And then tomorrow, if you sin, you have to repent. And the next day when you sin, you have to repent. But what's good about God is if you're willing to humble yourself and repent, he will bring you back to him. He wants us all in the family of God. That's your only safe place. Or trust me, the fires of hell that burn black. They're not red. They're not yellow. They're not orange. They're black. And these black flames will burn you and change you. And all the sin that God has forgiven you of will come back into you. And you will not look like this. And you will have to listen eternally to people screaming. And you know, Mondo, something that I knew when I was there, I didn't want one more person to come to hell. Mm. Now, this is my thought about the Bible. You know the story about how it was like, Father Abraham, mm -hmm. send Lazarus to go get uh, a drink of water and he couldn't he's like well go tell him to tell my brothers don't come here it wasn't because that guy was so loving it was because in hell you share each other's pain and so all my sin you're going to get to share now in heaven the opposite is true yeah in heaven you're going to get to share all my joy but in hell the reason why you want one no you don't want one more person to come there is because I don't want to share one more thing because our God is a family God. He has always operated that way. He will always operate that way. And the tears that he sheds, and I believe we will shed. I think the tears that Jesus has to wipe away is when you get to heaven and your family is not there. You don't want to get to heaven and your family not be there because where they are then is they are in hell. And when you look from the, from the rafters, from the overlook in heaven, and you see your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers in hell, you will cry a tear and have a heartache that only God can help us with. Listen, I want you to get this book, and we're going to make it available for free. All you have to do is pay the shipping and handling for this book. And I want to tell you something. I've come across a lot of books about hell. I recommend this one right here. Ms. Lori, you want to make this book available to every person that wants to have this book. Listen, my time is, is gone again. I don't have enough time to keep talking. You've got to tune in next week, and, and, and let's keep having this conversation. But in the meantime, get the book, The Hell Conspiracy, a night witness account of hell, heaven, and the afterlife. We all want to know about the afterlife. Larry King wanted to know about the afterlife. So many people have so many questions, yet very few answers. And here I found a book that I know that you are going to get the answers. But I want to tell you something. After you read it, you're going to have the solution. The solution is you're going to change your mind 
about what the afterlife was in your mind. You're going to have a different thought about what hell. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to drive you to get to know God in an intimate level. Call me. I challenge you to get this book and let's talk about it. I got to go. Thank you, Ms. Laurie. Thank I you. I appreciate Thank you. you. Remember this. Keep the faith. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Uh-huh.